0: A woman was getting ready to put a pie in the oven when the phone rang. It was the school nurse. Her son had come down with a high fever, and the nurse wanted, wanted to know if the, if the mom would, could come to school and pick him up. The mother calculated how long it would take to drive to the school and back, then calculated how long it was going to take for this pie to bake, and she concluded that she can do it. So popping the pie in the oven, she left for school. When she arrived, her son's fever was a little worse than she anticipated. And the nurse urged her to take him to the doctor. And seeing her son's face, his face flushed, his body trembling, his, his dripping with perspiration, it worried her. And so she drove as fast as she could to the clinic. She was worri- worried even more as she's outside waiting for the doctor to come out of the examination room. ...to tell her what's wrong with her son. Finally, the doctor comes out, walks over to her and hands her a piece of paper. Get your son to bed, he told her, handing her the prescription. And said, get this filled and start him on it immediately. By the time she got home and, and had her son in bed, she headed out again to the, to the shopping mall to fill up the prescription. And not only was she frayed at this point, but she was frazzled, she was frantic and she had forgotten about her pie. At the mall, she found the pharmacy and got the prescription filled and rushed back to her car, which was locked. Yes, there were her keys in the ignition, locked inside the car. She ran back in the mall, found a phone, called home, and finally, when her son finally answered, she blurted out, I locked my keys in the car! Her son, barely able to speak, In a hoarse voice, he whispered, Get a wire coat hanger, Mom. You can get in with that. The phone went dead. She began searching the mall for a wire coat hanger, which turns out is not too easy to do. There were wooden hangers, They were plastic hangers, but no one carries wire coat hangers anymore. So after, after searching and searching, she finally found a store that was a little behind the times, and they had wire coat hangers there. Hurrying out of the mall, she, she allowed herself to smile with relief. And as she was about to step off the curb, she halted. She stared at the wire coat hanger, said, I don't know what to do with this. Then she remembered the pie in the oven. And after the frustrations of the past hour, she collapsed, everything collapsed on her and she began to cry. And then she prayed. Dear Lord, my boy is sick and he needs this medicine. And my pie is in the oven and the keys are in the car. Lord, I don't know what to do with this coat hanger. Dear Lord, send someone who knows what to do. And I really need that person right now, Lord. Amen. She was wiping her eyes when a beat-up older car pulled up to the curb and stopped right in front of her. A young man, 20-ish looking, in a T-shirt and ragged jeans got out. The first thing she noticed about him was his stringy long hair and this beard that completely hid his face south of his nose. He was coming her way. When he drew near, she stepped it right in front of him and and held out this wire coat hanger. I said, young man, she said, do you know how to get into a locked car with one of these? Gaped at her for a minute. They plucked the wire, the wire coat hanger out of her hand. Where's the car? As they started to the car, this woman was amazed. She said she had never seen anything like it. It was simply amazing how easily he got inside her car. A quick look at the door and the window a couple of twists of the coat hanger, and bam, just like that, the door was open. When she saw the door open, she threw her arms around, around this, this man and said, Oh, thank you, thank you. The Lord sent you. You are such a good boy. You must be a Christian. He stepped back and said, No, ma'am, I'm not a Christian, and I'm not a good boy. I just got out of prison yesterday. She jumped at him and hugged him even more fiercely this time. She said, bless God, she said. He sent me a professional. (laughs) As you can see from this story, we all play our part. Now imagine this. Imagine you're putting together a thousand-piece puzzle. We're putting it together. We're putting this puzzle together together. And in turn, we we put each piece of the puzzle into place. We take turns doing it. And slowly the beauty of the picture begins to take shape. And as we continue building this puzzle together, we talk about what it would be like if we were a part of the scene that's before us. And as the final pieces were put into place, we're suddenly confronted with the fact that our picture is incomplete. There are four pieces missing. How do you feel about all our work together knowing that it will forever be Incomplete. Now imagine instead of missing pieces, the puzzle's alive. As the final pieces are being put into place, they change shape and refuse to be joined together with the adjoining pieces. Or worse yet, we watch as pieces of the puzzle we have put together suddenly separate and pieces leave the table. How do you feel knowing that the beauty of this image that we're so carefully putting together will never be finished. Knowing that the pieces won't cooperate with each other. I wonder if that's sometimes how God feels when He looks at His church. He fits people together. He he fits them together only to find that there are some of us missing. Or individuals which He has purposed to to be joined together refuse to be connected or deliberately separate from each other. And... I don't know about you, but I know there's times I've felt like that in looking at a church. You know, God's desire is that we be joined together to fulfill the purpose of this world, in this world. And as a local body of believers, we have been uniquely designed by God to reach out to the community for Christ. Today we're continuing our sermon series called Connect. Last week we talked about mothers. Next week we're going to be talking about friends. But this week we're going to be talking about the church. And how we, together, should connect. But first, what is church? You know, the word church from, comes from the Greek word, ekklesia, which literally means a calling out. It is a meeting of people who have been called out or summoned together. In the New Testament, ekklesia refers to the congregation of God's people who have been called out or separated from the world into His kingdom. The church is made up of those God has joined together into the body of Christ. And the word church can refer to either a local assembly of believers or the universal church as a whole. And for today, for, for what we're going to be talking about here, I'm going to use the word church as the local church, specifically here at Griffith First Christian Church. But let me be quick to point out two things. First, what is true for the relationships within our church is true for the relationships between believers in other churches as well. And also, what's true of relationships within our church is also true about relationships that we should have with people from other churches. So what should our relationships within the church be? Well, let's discover God's plan for relationships within the church by using the acronym CHURCH. C-H-U-R-C-H. The first thing we, we need to look at for our relationships within the church is the first C, Christlike. Relationships within the church should be Christlike. And if you pull out your bulletin, there's a handy-dandy little acronym right there, so go ahead and fill it out right in there. And if you want to at this time, um, if you have a Bible, I'm going to be looking at a whole bunch of different verses, but the main, verse, the main chapter we're going to be looking at is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 will be the main body of what we're going to be looking at. But the first thing for for our relationships within the church is Christ-like. Putting it simply, we're individually connected to Christ. And our relationships with each other should be the same as how Christ relates to us. It says in 1 John chapter 1 verses 6 and 7, which which is on the screen or if you want to look it up in your Bible... 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Let's unpack this a little bit. Unpack what John says. It says in verse 6, it tells us that if we claim to be in a relationship with Jesus... Our lifestyle should validate this friendship that we have with him. You can't say you're a Christian then live like the devil. The way you live will be transformed because of that relationship that you have with Jesus. Verse 7 then builds on that fact. It says if we're walking in the light, that is if we are in a relationship with Jesus, then we should share our fellowship with one another. And the word fellowship comes from another Greek word, meaning which is koinonia, which is literally to be in partnership with one another. It is a mutual relationship which benefits each other. In other words, if I am connected to Jesus, I'm also going to be connected to you. Furthermore, because I share fellowship with Jesus, walking in the light as he is in the light, Then my relationship with you should be like Christ's relationship with me. Putting it simply, relationships within the church should be loving. Now, if we're not getting along with with one another within the church, if our fellowship or our partnership together is broken, then we should know there's a sin problem. And before you are quick to point your finger at your brother or sister in Christ, look in the mirror. John puts it this way in 1st John chapter 4, 19 through 21. 1st John chapter 4, 19 through 21 it says, "We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen." And he has given us this command, "Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. See, our relationships within the church should above all things be Christ-like. We should relate to one another in the same way that Jesus relates to us. Next part of our acronym, which we should look at for our relationship within the, ch- in the church, is H, house to house. Relationships in the church should be house to house. See, friendships within the church shouldn't just be Sunday morning only. We should interact with each other during the week. It says in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 40, 42 and 46, Acts 2, 42 and 46, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. The New Testament church was connected to each other. The fellowship of the early church was more than just joining together for a worship service. Their partnership, their friendship brought them together in in one another's homes. See, the church should run counter to culture. If you look at culture today, America is increasingly more and more isolated from each other. Circles of friendship, they're growing smaller and smaller. But within the church, our friendships should be increasing to include all those who are joining as the body of Christ. As believers, we can't live like the Lone Ranger, we need friendships with other Christians. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It tells the Lone Ranger that he needs to get reconnected with other believers. As it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as one and all the more as you see the day approaching. <coughs> We're joined together regularly to encourage each other from house to house. And that takes us to you. You in the, in the acronym that you should look at for your relationships within the church is united. Relationships within the church need to be united. You know, the connection we share with, you, with one another isn't superficial. Rather, it's joined together as One. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. Again, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. Just as a body, through one, the one is many parts, but all, it, all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentiles, slave or free and we're all given to one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, it would not... but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Our body is made up of many parts, but it forms one body. Likewise, each one of us are united together in the body of Christ. How important are are, our relationships to the body of Christ? When the church is united as one, it draws others to Christ. And that brings us to our next part of the acronym that we should look at for relationships within the church. R equals redemptive. See, relationships within the body should be redemptive. Jesus came to redeem lost humanity back to God. Without Jesus' death and resurrection, God and man would be eternally separated. But Jesus has made it possible for God and man to be brought back together. The sin that separates man from God can can and is forgiven. The relationships that we share within the, the church are just one of the ways that God uses to draw the loss to Christ. The unity that we have as believers, the unity that we have with one another, it's a magnet pulling people to Jesus. It says in John chapter 13, verse 35, by this everyone will know that you are disciples if you love one another. John 17, verses 20 20 and 21 says, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. See, we see Jesus' prayer being answered within the early church as believers related to one another with the love of Christ. People were saved. In Acts two, forty six and 47, it says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Jesus' prayer remains the same today. And he desires to see it answered through you and me. So that our relationships might be redemptive, drawing others to him. George Barna, has shown the importance of relationships within the church. Church, Christian churchgoers were asked about the importance of a variety of factors when deciding uh, whether or not they would return to a church they visited. Among the number of factors considered when choosing a church, the importance of the the friendliness of the church was assessed. And the results were as follows. 53% indicated how much people that how much people cared for each other is a key factor in determining whether or not they returned to a church. 45% indicated that the friendliness of the people in the church is the key factor. And 12% indicated that the number of friends they have attending the church is a key factor in deciding whether or not they're going to stay. We need to show the world how much we care by reaching out to them. Be that warm smile. Be that helping hand. Be that friendly gesture that that shows the redemptive nature of God. To put it simply, visitors, people, all they want is a place that's caring. And if the church doesn't meet that need, then they're simply going to look elsewhere to find it. Will our relationships be redemptive Drawing people to Christ? And that leads directly into the next part of this acronym that we should be looking at for our relationships with Christ. C is compassionate. Relationships within the church should be compassionate. We're not, we're not supposed to live in our little world ignoring those around us. I mean, look at look at Christianity. We have our own Christian coffee shops, we have our own Christian colleges, we have our own Christian music, we have, our own, we have everything we need all wrapped in this little bubble. But we're one body, united in Christ, and we need to identify and respond to the needs of others. Look again at what Paul said about our being joined together in the body of Christ when you look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. It says if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. The love of Christ within us compels us to reach out to those in need. Our hearts should be moved to this, by the suffering of others. No one should have to bear their pain alone. The church needs to be compassionate for its own. We need to hurt. We need to hurt for each other. We need to care about each other so deep that we literally hurt for each other. And to me, no one embodies compassion more than Big Dave did. He would literally ache and hurt about, about people and their needs. Sean told me that every, every time Dave talked to him about either Shannon's condition or when Sean and Shannon's house was being overrun by termites, every time Dave talked to him about that, tears would flow from his eyes. If he knew a need, he's right there to help out. And that's exactly what we need to do. says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus summed up that law with the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And in the same way we cannot ignore pain, the same way we can't ignore pain in our physical body, we shouldn't be able to ignore the pain of others as well. Our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ will move us to share their burden. But compassionate relationships are not just about feeling each other's pain and sorrow. Compassion moves us to action. And that's exactly what H in the acronym is. H is helpful. Relationships within the church should be helpful. The early church put their love and compassion for one another to work. They shared whatever they had with those in need. It says in Acts 2, 44 and 45, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. John makes it very plain. If we ignore our brothers and sisters who are in need and we have, to, and we have the means to help them, then God's love is not within us. We cannot just give lip service to reaching out to the others. Our lives back up what we say about loving God as we freely share with those in need. Compassion moves our hearts to help the one in need. So Christ-like, house to house, unity, redemptive, compassionate, and helpful. These are the characteristics that should set our relationships apart from those in the world. As believers, we are part of the body of Christ. We are more than friends. We are family. We're children of God. The love of Christ unites our hearts as brothers and sisters. Anything less than that is just being a part of a social club. We're a part of a family. God, we're we're a part of the church. Those called out from the world. It says again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this time verse 18, but in fact God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God's putting together a living puzzle. May he knit our lives together and our hearts together so that the beauty of his body will be seen in us. Let's pray. Lord, you are incredible. You are loving. You are helpful. You are kind. You are generous. You are everything that we could ask for, Lord. And we love you so much. Lord, help our relationships to be as you would have them be. Help them to emulate you. Help us to be Christ-like. Help us to to do everything within our power to follow you and live our lives solely for you. Lord, be with us. Continue to guide us in everything we do. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.